Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And this is Joe McCormick. And it's Monday, the day of the week that we read back some messages you have sent in to the show account, which if you've never gotten in touch before, why not try it out? The email address is contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Anything is fair game. If you've got feedback on a previous episode, uh, corrections, uh, things to add, if you've got uh you know, subjects to suggest for the future, if you just want to tell us something interesting that you found out, or if you just want to say hi, all fair game. Uh, and always uh, movie suggestions are welcome for Weird House Cinema. Absolutely. Hey, actually, one bit of uh, logistical business to address before we get going today uh, with the messages. We have been told by our bosses at the company here that there's something going on where if listeners on some platforms, I think this includes Apple Podcasts, have not listened to the, I, I think it's the five most recent episodes to publish. Uh, in some cases, this may result in you getting auto downloads turned off, even if you're subscribed. Uh, I don't know how exactly all that works, but Essentially, we've been told it, 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 that it is good for listeners to be current on the show. So, hey, if you out there are one of the many who, uh, who you know, you're operating a few weeks behind, we don't blame you. That's fine. Listen to the show however you want. But if you want to be helpful to us and helpful to yourself to make sure you're uh, always getting new episodes in your feed when they publish, uh, apparently it is good for you to try to listen to current episodes, new episodes when they come out so that... Uh, uh, a, a sneaky platform does not silently turn off auto downloads. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll continue to try and figure out everything on our end and figure out best practices on our end. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, maybe you're behind on a series that we're doing or maybe you're behind on core episodes, but that means maybe you could check in on the most recent Lister Mail or Monster Fact or Weird House or something to that effect uh, just to sort of keep things flowing. Uh, we, we often point out, you know, we, we could not do this show if it wasn't for our listeners. And, uh, and, and that, uh, that applies to not only your support in your interest, but also uh, to the hard numbers of the podcast game. That's true. So if you want to if you want to have a way to be supportive of the show, one way to do that is to be current on your listening. Of course, another way to be supportive of the show is to simply write in to listener mail. And hey, here we are in a listener mail episode. Let's do some listener mail. That's right. Uh, so we got a bunch of great responses to our series on Horror Vakui, uh, The Fear of the Void, and its many manifestations. This first message came from Karina. Rob, do you mind if I read this? Go for it. Karina says, hello, guys. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast for a couple of years now, but what made me write in now is that it recently contributed to a creative project of mine by coincidence. I'm an avid hobby artist, and I listen to podcasts while I'm drawing or painting. I always learn something new, and it helps me focus on my work. Anyway, I had just finished a sketch I wasn't entirely happy with and couldn't pinpoint what was bothering me about it. Then, while I was chuckling to myself about old maps so convoluted with details that one wishes to, quote, close the ads. That was a good one, Rob. That, that was <laughs> you. Uh, Karina says, it hit me. This issue had crossed time and space and arrived directly at my desk. My comic-style drawing shows two people on a cliff with a sunset sky in the background. Photos attached, if you're interested. Uh, Rob, we can take a look. Uh, which should be easy enough. I've loved drawing since I could hold a pencil, and I had a reference for this particular scene anyway. But I had decided to go for a blindingly colorful sky drawn in boldish lines, uh, fill it with some clouds, then add a, a riot of scribbles to the cliff and way too many pebbles to boot. Because every one of these details taken by itself struck me as pretty or interesting. However, the characters who were supposed to be the center of attention ended up getting lost in this crowded chaos. After the epiphany that I had an unreasonable fixation on unnecessary decorations, I made myself really think about what is actually important and streamlined the rest. A good course of action in many a situation, I'd say. At the end, the simplified scenery and in turn extra attention to the character's poses and expressions makes the finished drawing, in my opinion, far superior to the sketch. Sorry for going on a bit long, but I had to share my account of Horror Vakui at work. Now, please excuse me while I explore the depths of the Stuff to Blow Your Mind archive and wait for Friday's Weird House Cinema episode. Best wishes and lots of luck from across the ocean, Karina. And then, Rob, I've attached uh, both of the uh, images she shared with us here. Uh, you know, Karina, I like them both, but I agree that the characters stand out way more in the second. In the first, they almost kind of blend into the background, and it, you're, you're correct. That is a lot of pebbles. Yeah, yeah. I, I like these, though. Yeah, the kind of punk goth uh, Edward Gorey kind of <laughs> images. I like it. That's good. All right, this next one comes to us from Chuck Five. Chuck Five says, In your conversations about the abhorrent void, I suggest discussing Ma, the Japanese aesthetic theory that... What is not there defines what is. If you've ever watched anime, the breathing room carved out by scenes of water dripping from leaves or just silent plains of snow, this is mom. 
It also saves animation time and money. Uh, winky uh, emoticon. Um, and uh, Chuck Five includes a link here and says, I find it peaceful and not depending on what part of nothing is depicted. <laughs> so I was reading more about this concept. I've seen it described as a, a Japanese or a, a Sino-Japanese uh, concept, but it uh, came across a good explanation of it in a recent art and architecture book by a UVA architecture professor named uh, Sanda Ilyescu. Uh, the book was called Experiencing Art and Architecture Lessons on Looking from 2022. And uh, so in this book, the author makes a distinction between the Japanese aesthetic of Ma and negative space as it's usually understood in Western art and design, what would that difference be? Well, she argues that in Western art, most of the time, negative space is not taken as meaningful in itself and is not necessarily a point of focus in an artwork, but rather a way to like highlight or contextualize the figure of the artwork, the point of focus. Like the the characters may be standing in the middle of the frame, surrounded by some kind of negative space. So the in, in Western art, uh, she's saying the figure usually has primacy, and the negative space is used to maybe make you see the figure in a certain way. However, she argues that in Japanese art, the space itself can have primacy. It can, in a way, have its own meaning and maybe even be the point of focus or uh, a, a major point of focus. Uh, quote, Japanese aesthetics, however, has a word for empty space, ma, and does not conceive of it as in opposition to anything. On the contrary, in Japanese aesthetics, ma space allows for and even encourages an awareness of both space and object, and suggests not only an interdependence, but also a reconciliation of voids and solids. In ma space, the boundary between form and non-form is always on the verge of dissolving. And if you look at a lot of the, the great uh, Japanese artwork, works that are highlighted as examples of this aesthetic of Ma. Uh, one example that often gets used, and it comes up in this book itself, is a 16th century ink on paper uh, screen painting or, or drawing uh, called the Pine Trees Screen by uh, Hasegawa Tohaku. I see exactly what that means about it's not just like that there are figures in the artwork and then spaces between them, but there's a kind of uh, like almost kind of a fluctuating in and out of existence or visibility of the, the figural parts. And the, the ma space, the empty space is kind of hard to describe, but it's almost kind of like a, a cloud of boundary between existing and non-existing that doesn't neatly follow the outlines of the trees, say, kind of like penetrates them in a way. Do you know what I'm saying, Rob? Yeah, yeah. But a couple of other things she says that uh, I find interesting. She argues that moss space often encourages the viewer to see the moss space uh, in a temporal sense, meaning like you, you get the idea that what is empty now may once have been full and may become full again, and what is full now may become empty. And in that same way, she says that um, in many works of Japanese art and architecture, moss space is understood as poignant, uh, you know, that it, it in a way brings a tear to the eye. It seems to suggest thoughts about the passage of time and impermanence and the ephemerality of life and other phenomena. Yeah, it can often 
overflow with uh, feelings of nostalgia as well. Yeah. Um, the, the, the listener here mentions uh, anime, and uh, there's actually a 2002 interview that Roger Ebert conducted with Hayao Miyazaki, uh, the you know, legendary uh, Japanese animation director uh, responsible for such films as Nausicaa and Spirited Away. And uh, you can find this. It's on the RogerEbert.com website. Uh, but I just want to read a, a section from it here where they talk about this. Uh, Ebert uh, writes, I told Miyazaki I love the quote-unquote gratuitous motion in his films. Instead of every movement being dictated by the story, sometimes people will just sit for a moment, or they will sigh, or look in a running stream, or do something extra, not to advance the story, but only to give the sense of time and place and who they are. We have a word for that in Japanese, he said. It's called ma, emptiness. It's there intentionally. Is that like the pillow words that separate phrases in Japanese poetry? Ebert asks. And then Miyazaki says, I don't think it's like the pillow word. He clapped his hands three or four times. And then he says, quote, the time in between my clapping is ma. If you just have nonstop action with no breathing space at all, it's just busyness. But if you take a moment, then the tension building in the film can grow into a wider dimension. If you just have constant tension at 80 degrees all the time, you just get numb. And there's a great deal more. It's a it's a it's a nice uh, little interview piece. So anyway, to Chuck Five, yes, thank you for suggesting this concept. I, I think it has lots of relevance to what we talked about in the horror vacui episodes. I would say it's almost kind of an a, a full 180 degree anti horror vacui. Not only tolerance for empty space, but a kind of reveling in empty space. So when I look at this uh, pines artwork, the pine tree screen. Uh, it's in the empty space where the imagination dwells. You know, when you look at this and it kind of uh, ma- makes your your mind come to life, your mind comes to life not by looking at the trees, but by looking at the empty spaces between them. That's where it feels like it is suggesting uh, emotions. Yeah, uh, it also makes me think of um, various lines from Cormac McCarthy where you'll have a bit where, it, where it'll be like, uh, he chewed quietly and thought about his life. Or I want to say there are some uh, some places where there'll be something to that effect, like uh, this character stares at something, and it's just and in, in generally, it's uh, Cormac writes that this individual is reflecting on something. Mm. But we're not like given their stream of consciousness filled. Instead, it's just a, <laughs> all we're looking from the outside as they think, and we're not told yeah. what they think. Yeah, exactly. There's no uh, running interior dialogue in these particular moments. Okay, next message, also in response to Horovakui. This is from Anna. Anna says, hi, Robert, Joe, and JJ. I've been enjoying your latest episodes on the fear of empty space, and I was thinking about how this relates to the power of silence. I've heard from a few different sources that silence is very powerful in getting people to tell you something. That could be in political interviews or police interrogations. If you leave a silence, people will just want to fill it, and they will end up revealing something that they did not mean to. Just think about how awkward silences can be with people you don't know that well, say on a first date or something. Sometimes that silence can seem almost painful. Keep up the good work, Anna. Uh, Thank you, Anna. Yeah, great point. And you're exactly right. It is an underappreciated, powerful dynamic in, in conversation, in rhetoric to just pause and not say anything for a while. Uh, of course, in, in rhetoric, like in speech making, pauses are, are very 
they can be very powerful in, um, you know, sort of like increasing tension in the audience or calling attention to what you just said, making it have more gravity or in leading up to what you're about to say either way. But, uh, yeah, the thing about the police interrogations is great, too, because mm-hmm. certainly uh, or, or like a, a trying to interview a slippery politician, you can often get a lot out of somebody just by not saying anything and letting them sit there in silence. <laughs> Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month. Taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. (laughs) 
All right, this next one comes to us from Steven. Steven says, hey, Robin Joe, I'm about a week behind in my podcast right now. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, it can be hard to get caught back up from the holidays. I wanted to comment on something you spoke about in the episode Horror of Akaway Part 2. Uh, Rob said he wished to see monsters in the margins of Google Maps. And I'm pleased to say that for an April Fool's joke in 2014, Maps did, for a short time, have hidden Pokemon scattered around to find and collect. Although it isn't quite the same as Leviathan in the Ocean, I think it has a similar vibe. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there are some monstrous Pokemons out there. So, um, uh, depending on what they had shuffling and sliding around in the corners of the maps, it, it may have felt uh, very appropriate. Uh, definitely the one I would be most afraid of is I, I'm told Pikachu has a baby now. And uh, I, I don't Pikachu know. Pikachu does not have a baby. <laughs> there is there is a, a prior evolution to Pikachu called Pichu. It's not Pikachu's baby. <laughs> baby Pikachu. That's just that, that's dangerous. That's like high level waste. <laughs> yeah, you have if memory. Sorry. Yeah, you have Pichu, Pikachu, Raichu. Mm hmm. And then in a separate sort of tangent, you have Detective Pikachu. Detective but, um, Pikachu. Oh, yeah, that's is, right. Yeah. 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 Detective Pikachu. Good movie. I, I liked it. Anyway, uh, Stephen continues. I also wanted to suggest 1994's Mosquito for Weird House Cinema. Something about black bear-sized mutant mosquitoes rampaging around seems right up your alley. Thank you guys for all the great content you make. I'm always excited to hear your voices come across my podcast rotation. Stephen. Is this the one that has Gunnar Hansen in it? <laughs> It is. Like, Gunnar Hansen is the most well-known individual uh, in the film. Um, and he has top billing. Um, though, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you also have Ron Ashton in it, and um, he was a member of the Stooges. So I guess, depending on what circle you're in, uh, you, could, you could make a case for him instead. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I have not seen Mosquito. Though I would be hard-pressed to choose between this and 2005's Mansquito when it comes to mosquito-based horror films. So I was thinking of the right movie, but before this, I realized I was confused because I was uh, mixing it up with the similar year. This came out in 1993, the movie Ticks. Oh, you, yes. You know, Ticks, the, it's got like Seth Green and Clint Howard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tix is Tix is one we might come back to. I think we watched this back in the day for for trailer talk, mm -hmm. and it's a it's a trashy monster movie uh, with uh, an interesting cast. Uh, it's uh, and, and it's gross. It's very gross. What is the the premise? Is so weird. It's like is it like a group of troubled teens? <laughs> are like loaded into a van and taken to the woods for some character building. But then there are giant mutant ticks that have something to do with Clint Howard out there. Yeah, he's rearing them or something. I don't remember exactly how that that works. And Rance Howard's in it as well, of course. You get where one Howard goes, you may get more than one. Love a two Howard movie. Yeah. At any rate, yes, Stephen, thanks for the recommendations. All right, let's see, Rob. Should I do this one from Dion? Yes, go for it. Dion says, Dear Robin Joe, congratulations to Joe on his new arrival. It's been lovely to hear your thoughtful parenting anecdotes lately. Um, which were the thoughtful ones? I'm not sure. I'll have to review. Um, what uh, was really interesting to hear Seth on the show, I'm also a sound designer and record enthusiast, so I enjoyed the Seth-based content. Thank you for consistently fascinating podcasts. 
I've just listened to the great episode about Horovakui Part 1. I really enjoyed all the different angles that were considered an excellent listen. I can weigh in a little on the food plating discussion. Remember we talked about, uh, yeah, uh, so we were talking about art and design and maps and stuff, but I guess also mm-hmm. about plates. Like how much white space do you leave on a plate? And, and uh, is there more space on the plate typically in fancy restaurants? Yeah. Dion goes on, I was a chef in all kinds of restaurants for 15 years. The, quote, closed white space taboo in newspapers isn't specifically a thing for plated food. The equivalent no-no would be the rim of a plate, which should be kept clean and clear in almost all circumstances. I'm talking about classic 12-inch white plates with a nice wide rim. Some restaurants have more bespoke and even colored plates more recently, but in my mind, at least the white plate remains the classic choice choice. You'll find more amateur chefs will have an instinctive fear of the void and will often do things like scatter cracked pepper around the rim of the plate for decoration. In practice, violating the white frame seldom works. It's one of those rules that should only be broken thoughtfully, deliberately, and by experts. (laughs) A little more about plating. The trend in the 90s was for altitude, great towering things that would be virtually impossible for the waitstaff to deliver to the table intact. I've heard this discussed as a reaction to the 70s flat presentation, shunning the old flat and rural and embracing the modern urban environment of the skyscraper. This presentation leaves a lot of white space on a large plate, which would usually be sparsely decorated, drawing focus to the centerpiece as you have discussed. Again, current trends are a little more diverse, but this presentation is is still with us. Dion, that is really funny about the uh, chefs having a, uh, an aversion to putting stuff on the rim of the plate. I, I have a specific memory. I don't know what this is from, but of like a, a gif of like uh, was Gordon Ramsay just like blowing parsley off the rim of a plate he was handed. <laughs> That's kind of rude, but okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was kind of his, his whole gimmick uh, yeah. there for a long time. I'm a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that the, the altitude thing, I know this was something that it, I think some stand-up comedians had a lot of fun with. Uh, but uh, I think, that, you know, it, if it's if it's the right dish, it can still be pretty fun to have your, I don't know, your your your, your tuna slices uh, forming a little tower at the center of the plate, that kind of thing. As long as it's not too precarious, go for it. I agree. I think it depends on what kind of food item it is. Like, I think altitude is fun on a plate if it's also... Uh, fun and still appetizing once you demolish it? You know, is mm-hmm. it like fun to take apart and demolish and then eat? Or does the altitude just make it kind of cumbersome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, and I guess sometimes it's it's a real trade-off because uh, take the stuffed bell pepper versus just having the, the bell pepper chopped up in whatever would go in as the stuffing. You know, like the mm-hmm. clearly the stuffed bell pepper is a great presentation, but the experience of eating it can sometimes feel a l- little lackluster when you're sitting there carving up your uh, your bell pepper and then combining that with whatever was stuffed inside. And then you run out of the stuff inside the bell pepper before you finish off the rest of the, the, the pepper. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who has this uh, this experience. No, I, I I think you're right. I'm also I'm thinking of examples where you know there's there's some piled high food that really sort of defeats the purpose of the food. I'm thinking about. Your classic example, nachos, okay? You mm-hmm. see nachos piled really high. What's going to be the deal with the, the nachos on the bottom of that pile? Oh, they, yeah. they got nothing on them or they're super soggy. I think the best nachos are a very flat, even layer because then it's all, you know, every chip is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, you're just going to get just plain chips down there at the bottom. 
Okay, anyway, coming back. Uh, Dion says, on a complete tangent, you might enjoy this Skippy the Bush Kangaroo trailer <laughs> that I neglected to send after the whistling episodes. Remember, we did a series on whistling earlier last year. Uh, I don't know if this ever got popular beyond our shores, but all Australians of a certain vintage have it baked into their DNA. These were simpler times when we only had four free-to-air channels. There's always a eucalypt close by over here, but not necessarily a kangaroo, and I think every kid fantasized that they could grab a leaf and call for Skippy. Actually, I'm fairly sure that leaves are too thick for it to actually work as a whistle. Uh, you can make a sort of hand kazoo with a blade of grass held between your thumbs, however. Again, thank you for all you do. Warm regards, Dion. P.S. I don't think kangaroos can throw things with their hands, but maybe they could kick up dust with their tail, Aussie style. <laughs> um, I'd never heard of uh, Skippy the Kangaroo here, but I was looking at the trailer, and yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I love, I love hearing from uh, folks in different uh, countries or different regions where they had a particular show that was just a part of everyone's childhood there that maybe didn't travel as far, you know? Like, I'm reminded of, like, a British variant being things like a Stig of the Dump, hearing people <laughs> talk about watching Stig of the Dump when they were a kid, which is about a, if memory serves, a children's show about a boy who befriends a caveman living in the local dump. Uh, you know, things okay. like that. It just We did not have that here, so it wasn't a part of our childhood. Likewise, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. The one I'm really envious of is The Spirit of Dark and Lonely Water. I know that's not a show, but uh, the, mm -hmm. that Donald Pleasance, the, 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 the Jenny Green Teeth pools, that's just good. Yes. You know, one thing we did, so I was also not familiar with Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, but I recall when I was a child, like in the late 80s, early 90s, I feel like there was just a glut of Australian-themed U.S. media. Uh, and I don't know if any of it was actually Australian in origin or if that was just a time uh, like a lot of, especially children's-oriented media were just got really into the idea of Australia. Like, I think there were two different children's cartoons that were about like a child who befriends magic koala bears. Hmm. Well, you know, koalas are adorable, so that makes sense. But you know, do you think, was this around the time of um, Crocodile Dundee? Do you think it was part of the whole Crocodile Dundee craze that uh, that took off in the States? Possibly. I, I don't know. Uh, well, I just looked, I remembered one of them is called Noozles, and I, I just <laughs> looked it up. And this is actually a cartoon of Japanese origin that has Australian themes and aired in the United States on Nickelodeon. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. All right, we'll close it out here with one Weird House Cinema message. This one comes to us from Karen. Karen writes, Robert and Joe, I've enjoyed your podcast for years, and although I listen to Weird House Cinema every Friday, I rarely watch the films you, you review. Your descriptions and banter are usually entertaining enough, and even considering that Forbidden Planet is still one of my favorite movies, I've largely lost my taste for horror and sci-fi schlock as I near 70. This week was an exception. My husband and I signed up for a trial subscription to the Criterion channel so we could stream Invention for Destruction. And what a treat. It was everything you promised and then some. You were right in that it was impossible to accurately describe the art. It was visually stunning and oh, the lines. Thank you so much for this recommendation and for continuing to provide interesting and entertaining content. You're both skilled science communicators, knowledgeable, and loads of fun to listen to, too. Best, Karen. Oh, well, that's too nice, Karen. But thank you. And thanks for the message. Glad that you loved Invention for Destruction as we did. 
yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. All right, we're going to go and close it up there. But yeah, as always, we'd love to hear from everyone out there if you have thoughts on recent episodes, old episodes, current episodes, upcoming episodes of the the core podcast, of Weird House Cinema, of The Monster Fact, or just things that, thoughts and comments that are kicking around in Lister Mail. Yeah, write in. We'd love to hear from you. Just a reminder that our core episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind publish on Tuesdays and Thursdays. On Mondays, we do Lister Mail. On Wednesdays, we do a short-form Artifact or Monster Fact. And on Friday, we do Weird House Cinema. Again, that's our time to set aside most serious concerns and just talk about a weird film. Oh, and hey, reminder one more time, uh, check and make sure that every new episode of our show is auto-downloading in your feed. It's possible your uh, podcast platform of choice may have turned off auto-downloads and you might need to go back and manually turn them on. Another way to make sure you're always getting our new shows, we are told, is for you to stay current. So if you want to help support the show, make sure you don't miss out on anything. Just try to be as current as you can. Try to listen to episodes from this week. Huge thanks, as always, to our audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us, maybe yourself be featured on a future episode of Listener Mail. Uh, If you have feedback on any previous episodes, any corrections, anything to add, uh, anything interesting you want to share with us, or if you just want to say hello, any of it's fair game, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Network.